Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of VHS Presents. I am your host, Sarah, and with me, as not per usual, well, it's kind of started getting usual, isn't it? Like, y'all come on a lot, so. Um, <laughs> yeah, Lori can't be here tonight, and we are, we, we, we laid the law down and made her stay and have another break night, so she's not coming tonight. She's, she is on mandatory rest today. That's not. Yeah, we don't. I, I don't live near her. I can't like force her, but I cannot let her on the show. So that's how we're doing it today. Uh, anyway, so Katie and and D joining me and uh, having some fun tonight. Uh, and so I have the. Um, I always forget to like make sure that I know what all um, UHS news I should mention before we go live. So, but right now I do know. And I'm gonna put the banner up here. We have Cthulhu is hard to spell um, backer kit campaign going on right now. And if you go to uhstudios.com/backit, you're gonna you're gonna see that campaign. You can check it out. We got we got three volumes. We got let's see. We got socks. We got t-shirts. We got um, we passed our goal, so we're gonna get I think a bookmark. A metal bookmark is our stretch for stretch goal, but then we've got we've got the um, the little ba the little miniatures, which um, they are. Uh, one person asked me the size of them, and they're about the size of a pop vinyl. I'm I'm like doing this, and I was like, I don't. This is not indicative of the actual scale. I'm just waving my hands around <laughs> like an idiot. But like, if you have a pop, then you know that's roughly how big. The baby Cthulhu, Cthulhu is gonna be. They're so and cute. They are, aren't they? Oh my gosh, they're so cute. And there's, you can get the unpainted one and the painted one too. Like you can, there's, you can get either or both if you want to. And the painted ones are hand painted, so they're, uh, you know, everyone's gonna be a little different, but they're pretty cool and they're like 3D printed. So we're not. This isn't like some toy run that we're getting from a manufacturer. It's gonna be just these are the ones and this is it we're not making any more and do, do we have more stuff than that i can't we have coffee that's right we also have a little cthulhu is hard to caffeinate little pack coffee coffee <laughs> pouches um russell the creator of the anthology said he's a big coffee fan and it is decaf coffee because he can't have decaf so he went looking for a good decaf because he said most decaf sucks I don't know these things because I would never drink decaf coffee. It's like, I can't drink coffee at all anymore. Like, I'm old now, and my body just kicks back coffee. I can't do it anymore. Aww. I know, right? It's sad. I'm. It makes me sad because I love coffee. Yes. Maybe I, for the next one, they should do, like, a caffeinated one and a decaf one. That's already, yeah, well, it's already on the list. Like, we're going to do, I mean, we got all these campaigns that we could do coffee blends for and and i mean like i know we talked about it for d and we couldn't find anything in time and so like now that we have stuff set in that, that we know where to go to get it like there's gonna be some finding d coffee and we'll just and if we ever get katie making stuff we'll just make coffee for katie we'll just co <laughs> everybody gets coffee coffee for everybody i am i'm well, very very tired. Tea as well, yes. Can we do tea blends? Well, I meant well, somebody, somebody somewhere makes tea blends that they can Oh, there's a few people that I know around, uh, like around here, so I'm sure you could oh, probably there get you like, go. Perfect. 
And well, Siegel do will do Finding D Calf and KT Brewston. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, we could do that, but we could do both of those for the Finding D campaign because because you're the colorist. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And we, we we should get some kind of Heidi blend in there too. Or maybe Poe. Poe doesn't drink coffee, I hope. Thank Not God, no. Poe <laughs> no, seems I, like I, the kind of dog that would be a psycho if you gave a, gave him coffee. Poe does not need more energy. Have you guys seen the film Hoodwinked? Which is, uh, is that a cartoon? Yeah, it's the um, Big Bad Wolf <laughs> and Red Riding Hood and it's sort of but there's a squirrel who's a reporter on it, and when he gets the coffee, it's that is what I imagine my what Hazel would be like if you gave her coffee. Oh man, <laughs> I I don't even need to see a cartoon to know that Hazel would be a nut if you gave her coffee. She's already oh, like man. that. Yeah, like <laughs> she already mean... like the the videos that you post and show us. Like, oh man. Yeah, I mean, one of my friends calls her Hurricane Hazel, so, you know. <laughs> well, so you've got that tiny little short-legged dog, and then you've got the little the small horse dog that you have. And I love the videos that you post where, where they're running around the garden and Hazel's trying to keep up with Spot, and, like, Spot has his his stride is, like, every one stride of Hazel's is, is like, that's, uh, like, every one stride of Spot is, like, three or four of Hazel's, and she's just like, ah, and he's just, like, doesn't or at do least, anything. Yeah. yeah, it's, I, I do enjoy those videos. <laughs> so, anyway, um, tonight, we are, we are going to, um, Dee is gonna show us some stuff about art and draw, uh, teach us how to do, um, like, facial features, right, and gesturing. Yeah, um, I was thinking, because I've been talking about this with some friends for a while, um, about doing little tutorials, because I've helped coach some other artists on occasion um, who've asked me for some advice on things, and I'm super uncomfortable as a general rule doing it. Um, I mean, that's the disclaimer I'll start this off with, is that, you know, there's nothing I'm saying is a rule, nothing I'm saying is me saying this is the way to do it, it's just this is the way I do things, kind of. Um, in my own cartooning, and this is kind of tips and tricks I've learned along the way, and, you know, maybe it's something that might be useful that other people might get something out of, uh, who knows. Um, but yeah, I'm not speaking from this, like, I'm some kind of an authority on the subject. <laughs> but hey, yeah, I, I think you're... assume that nobody is this, like, can anybody really be an authority on it? I generally assume anyone who makes that statement is just going to annoy me. So I definitely, definitely don't want to be that person. Well, I personally would take any advice that you give because I've seen your work and I think it's really great. And so I, if I'm looking to learn stuff and I come across a video tutorial um, from somebody who draws with the, you know, caliber, the skill caliber that you're drawing with, I'm probably going to watch that tutorial. So... <laughs> Well, we're gonna have one today. That's what we're doing. Yep. Yep. And, so right, yeah, so, this will this will be drawn with D. <laughs> beautiful. I love this. Anyone who oh. says that they can't learn anything new about drawing is lying. No matter how long they've been in the game. Oh yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah. I we were talking earlier today. Uh, how much of how much any of us know? Um, like. Obviously, Z is referencing some some Shakespeare here with this sketch, and and we were talking about how much of that that um, Hamlet soliloquy because that's from Hamlet. 
Yep. And and that is no, that's not Polonius's skull. That's Yorick's skull. That's Yorick's skull that sh that Hamlet will be. Yeah, because it's alas for Yorick. I knew him, Horatio. I knew him, I knew him, Horatio. I knew him well as a misquote. Uh, well, that's true. Well, I didn't do Hamlet at school. I did Macbeth. So yes. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I wish I wish I could like pull a, a reward that we have. Like if you have, if you can, if you can recite that whole thing without looking it up than, like, you know, a sticker. But I don't have any stickers left. I sent everything to Lori, so no stickers. <laughs> Excuse me. And you don't so, yeah, I figured... <laughs> and Katie's, yeah, just, I just feel... Katie's here for color commentary, so... Ah! <laughs> We're having fun. This is fun, right? That's always the hope. I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try to keep it fun. Um... Yeah, the idea I wanted to do was, um, you know, like, start off doing some little, like, tips and tricks for different things. And one of the things that a lot of people have commented on positively about my work is the character work, is the performance, is the body language and the expressions. And I'm like, well, I, I have things I can, maybe I can hopefully convey some, some ideas that people might find interesting. And so I thought I'd start with acting! <laughs> It's, Which it's, kind of sums up faces, body language, gestures, all that stuff. Yeah, and it's a trick to get that the right emotions conveyed via a static image. So it's a yeah. really important skill to have. And I would love to see how you do it. Because oh, I don't have fun. that skill. Yeah, with it's comics, you, you don't have time and you don't have motion and you don't have sound. Everything, like you said, is a static image. There's no animation to it. Unless you're doing frame by frame, panel by panel, in which case, you know, you still have to make the most of it. Um, and while most of the stuff I'm going to be talking about is a little bit broader, a little bit more extreme, cartoonier stuff, it can definitely be applied to any style because, um, like, when I do Finding D, it's, it's this. It's cartoony, it's broad, it's big poses, big expressions, um, you know, arms jutting out, all that stuff. And, you know, but when I do, like, say, Giant Girl Adventures, that's a much more realistic style of comic book art. It's still a little cartoony, but, you know, the proportions are more normal. And, you know, I'm not, you know, if you look here, my, my bottom lip is literally breaking my jawline. You know, um, mm -hmm. that's a degree. That's a degree of extremity that I don't do if I'm doing something more based in reality style, more anat anatomically structured. But all the same rules and the same concepts apply. You know, if I had to do this exact same pose with a more realistic character, I'd probably start with the same basic structure and just add and conform it to reality from the wilder doodles. And you can actually see, if you look really close, how many different versions of the arm that I loosely penciled before I decided on the finished pose. Like, originally, the skull was much closer and my arm was bent, a little bit more like the Hamlet scene. But with body language sometimes, especially when you're playing for comedy, pushing for extreme angles is definitely a more helpful thing. So you get that. Let me do a little red line. Uh, doodle over here. So, you know, 
yeah, I could put, I could have done this arm at a bent angle, but you really want to get that hard angle from the figure. So here's, you know, the figure's through line from the head down. You know, here, originally I had the arm kind of going up and curling, but I wanted a really tight um, body language. And I brought, the, I brought the shoulder in. This is a little bit of what I would call William Shatner acting. Um, where he does that. If you watch Star Trek, he's always going like, Spall. He's always bringing his arms in like that. So I was pur purposefully doing, since I really wanted this to convey overacting, I brought that shoulder in really high. You know, it cuts. The shoulder is actually, if you look here, cutting under the lip line. That's how high I'm bringing the shoulder up. If you follow the line under the hair. You know, I've got a nice tight angle on the arm, but again, this is like a 90 degree angle from the wrist, 90 degree angle here. You know, I kept the head ramrod straight with the body. So you get that. So that's where the through lines come through. And um, we can get into that kind of stuff in just, in just a tick, but I'm going to start with facial, facial acting first, because um, there's a lot of stuff that goes into especially in comic strips. And I, more traditionally, I do a lot of comic strip style stuff, which is panel to panel gags. And when you've got a talking head comic strip, you ha you need to be able to express as much expression as you can on that face. You know, I did this as um, an, a gesture, a little exercise, and it's something I recommend a lot of cartoonists do, where you lay out all these different possible expressions and you do your character in every conceivable one of these and it's all a matter of and as you can see here i work body language into it as well they all have a little bit of body language you know in here for anger i brought the shoulders up you know for sad i brought the shoulders kind of mm, you know slumped, slumped forward yeah yeah what the <laughs> fuck i tilted the head and it, huh <laughs> you know did you, uh, you, to start with, use a lot of uh, pulling faces at yourself in the mirror? <laughs> yeah, I've, I have done a lot of face acting where um, I will look at, I'll, I'll hold up my mirror, which I always keep right by my desk. Um, and if I don't do that, then I'll do the acting on my phone and I'll just film it. I definitely do that for anything where I need hand gestures that I can't quite suss out. But when you're working with, especially in a cartoony sense, it definitely helps to make everything a part of your expression. So, yeah, you can do it with the face, but the reality is, is that, and there was a trend in a lot of comics like Marvel, anything that like Brian Bendis wrote, you'd have a lot of like 16 panel pages where there's no changes to the art, yet characters are talking, and those drive me bonkers because... Nobody sits and talks like this for long extended periods of time, going through different, different emotional beats, sadness, excited, angry, happy, and yet their face never moves. Their hair doesn't fall. One, When I see 16 panels that are copy pasted like that, it's, it's, it irks me. It irks my cartoonist soul. You have so much opportunity for acting. And if you're doing more cartoony performance work, everything becomes a part of that. So like, if you look here, look at the difference just between happy and tired. So we've got happy and tired. Even my hair is flumped down and tired. 
the shoulders are drooped everything is drooped everything is is a downward motion the mouth is lower on the face you know i've got all these different normal if you look there see look at the difference the hair is normally up like this mm -hmm. so you know use every tool that you've got but that doesn't look quite as tired as that yeah so you really want to sell every emotion and i'm definitely going to be teaching tips and tricks for broad cartooning without a doubt i mean there's a lot of brilliant cartooning that is intensely subtle um charles shawls on peanuts was incredibly subtle slight differences in the lines to go from happy to melancholy and it's brilliant and it's really really hard um without a doubt and sometimes that's what that and sometimes that is a very important thing you got to learn but it does help to know the broad strokes especially when you're trying to convey a lot of information quickly and you really want to get everything involved there so it's a matter of putting these things together in a way that you can work with but let's just work with the static face here this is a live drawing let me do some live drawing <laughs> so here i pondered doing like a little um templates for some of this stuff in advance but i'm like ah, it'll kill the spontaneity i'm gonna keep working with cartoon me because i draw this cartoon all the time so it's the fastest thing that i can draw that's for, and here for I'm just uh, gonna... demonstration purposes, very good idea, for I think. Yeah. <laughs> and here, just going to draw a basic D head. Completely faceless at this point. So that we can go in and draw faces doing some different things. So, in this case, um, give, me a, give me a broad emotion. Some emotion. Oh, First thing that comes to your mind. Irritated. Irritated. Okay. So then, you know, I'm of the mind and I do this. This is both for writing and cartooning. When I'm, ex when I've got to draw something or write, if I have to write a character angry or sad, I get angry or sad in the process. I have to feel that emotion. And so that's where the acting out, you've got that mirror and you're like, okay, you're irritated. I'm irritated. The first thing I notice is I'm crunching up my nose. I'm like sneering. I've got that Billy Idol. See, that, know, I do that when I'm drawing people. If if they're like if I'm trying to draw an expression on someone's face, I will make that expression. Even though I'm not looking at myself, I'll be sat there like <laughs> pulling really yep. Yeah, you can oh, feel man. your you can feel Same. your own face. <laughs> Same. Um, and I wanna say if anybody has like a particular emotion, if you're watching you have a particular emotion that you're struggling with. You know, put it in the comments and I'll let yeah. you know and maybe we can talk about that one too. Absolutely. So here, I'll just draw, start the basis of my nose. Well, I'm like, okay, well, I scrunch my nose up. So I'm going to put a little bit of a curl up here. And if that's going to be a curl, that's that side that's the camera is going to curl up. So I'll curl the lip up toward it. You know, all of this is serving that everything is following the sneer shape at this point so my basic eyes are generally like these big ovals and i'm going to start drawing them here just because i usually do this but well my eyebrows come down when i'm doing eh, your sneer when you sneer it brings your cheek up a little so bring the cheek up got the pupil 
I'm going to put a little eyebrow. Maybe have the eyebrows a little a little uneven because I'm a fan of doing asymmetry when you're doing these expressions. When you make them when you make a face symmetrical, they look demented. Like if you take a photo of your face, cut it in half and flop it in Photoshop, you look insane. I don't know why it is, but perfectly symmetrical faces have a tendency to look kind of gross. They look weird. Something about them triggers that uncanny valley response. Yeah. That's interesting, so, too, when you think about how that perfectly symmetrical face is supposed to be the ideal of beauty. And yet, yeah, you're right, it does look freaking weird. In nature, no face is perfectly symmetrical. So, it's a very basic thing. This could, have, this could be irritated. You push it further, you get into disgust. You know, you want to push this a little further and say, okay, well... This is irritated. Let's go a little further. You know, you go a little bit further. Maybe bring that eye completely open now. And again, you act out. And you kind of go from one expression to the other, and now suddenly you've got You go from irritated to disgusted, to shock. Now, you know, it's all about plussing that. But you'll notice all of these expressions, both of them, they all have this motion. Like, it's all this. Everything is curling up. The eyes, the eyes are curling up. The, that's curling up. Nose is curling up. You pick a direction with that, and you go up for that. Because you, if you feel your face, it, it crunches like that. So make the whole face. Now, of course, if I was drawing this from scratch, the head would be back too. But right now, we're dealing with a static face. So, you know, but on the exact same thing, Let's, you know, go for a different emotion and we're going to go for, you know, we'll just go for a general happy face. And it's the same basic idea. Well, you're happy, you know, you got your smiling and your eyes are going to get a little wider, but they'll still come up a little on the bottom. You know, you've got that smile and now everything is kind of doing the opposite. It amazes me how fast you can draw these things. You know, when I want when I want to draw a cartoon me looking really happy, the eyes get a little bigger, a little broader. I bring the the you know, I cheat and bring the eye the eyebrows all the way into my hair, but I'll still bring the cheek up because I got kind of a face. So well, that's and that's and even, like in nature, that's like when you smile on your own, your cheeks do come up. I mean, you're exaggerating yep. it for the cartoony effect, of course, but yeah. that's what cartoons are, is it's just human yeah. or regular expressions, but exaggerated yep. and yeah, it's, it's so it makes sense and and again you can keep pushing this even further you know if you're like okay well i really want to sell that you know okay cool make that mouth wider you know bring those eyebrows up even further and just like before you go from happy to are you insane <laughs> 
you know and again it's all about pushing those extremities pushing those shapes um we i with finding d i broke i try to break everything down into very simple shapes um so that it reads as quickly as possible with you know you you know you don't have your readers aren't going to sit there and go through all the details like with a uh, giant girl there's a ton of details and but what they respond to more than anything else is the basic information your body language and your expression the details all get absorbed later if you're lucky um but again i'll say right now that the same rules apply to again a more realistic face so if i was going to try to draw this with more realistic proportions all the same rules still apply you know, let's see with our disgusted. Now, now I now I have a nostril. I'm disgusted. Hi, J Man. Thanks for joining us. Hi, J Man. I got a really good PDF of a book now. I think it was called Anatomy for Sculptors, which actually had like um, pictures of all the different muscle groups as in different expressions. So it was like, you know, they'd highlighted them on in different colors to show what they were doing. It was really interesting, actually, if anyone's wanting to learn anatomy. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's all the muscles underneath the skin that are controlling all of this stuff. I always, when I was younger, I, I thought, what the hell is the point of le learning anatomy in order to draw better? And as, as I got better and I started to figure out why my stuff doesn't look as nice as, say, Katie's stuff or <clears throat> your stuff, I thought, um, I thought, well, the difference is that you guys are paying attention to the muscles underneath and where they would pull the skin and the face, and I'm yep. not, and that's why my stuff isn't good. So that's how I, that's how I like, do it now. Learn anatomy now if you want to draw well because... It's yes. It's, it's only it, going to get harder as you get more in, involved or more into the way that you're doing things. So do it's it now. A, it's an it's an old line, but it is one of the truest lines you'll ever have to say to somebody who asks you like, "What's the secret? What's it? you've got to learn the rules before mm -hmm. you break them. You have to learn how to do it correctly, how to do it normally before you go off and find your style and." Absolutely. You know, that's the, the Rob Liefeld defense of, you know, constantly saying, well, Jack Kirby drew everything stylized. Well, yeah, but you go back to the 30s and look at the work that it was very immaculate. Everything was there. He knew the rules, just like Picasso could paint realistically mm -hmm. before, well before he started, you know, experimenting with the style that he became more known for. Absolutely. So, yeah, with, with expression... Um, with with expression, it's all about playing to those extremes, playing yes. to the different faces that you want to convey. Um, exactly, absolutely. And that, what's oh, that? Sorry. I just wanted to, if everybody who's, because um, uh, I noticed that my very, um, very unreliable analytic thing that does is showing me that there might be some more people watching. And if you're watching and you have a question about drawing a facial feature, or some kind of, you know, like conveying some emotion on your cartoon character, like, and you're struggling with that when you're drawing, that's what Dee's here to teach us today. So that's what we're talking about. So yep. pop your question in the comments and I will read it to Dee. And also J-Man says, I can't wait for your book. I did pledge, but I have a question. Was the variant another option or can we choose that cover on Backer Kit? The variant, the, um, the, the, 
the homage cover, right? Is that the, the with the with all the other UHS characters on it? Yeah, it's the um, it's the homage to Giant Size X Men number one. Yeah. And I should know the answer to that question, and I don't. <laughs> I'm gonna go look. Yes. Yeah. While Sarah's yeah. yeah, while Sarah's answering that question, if anyone else has like an expression, some kind of key thing they're struggling with, or that they you know need a little bit of feedback on some thoughts on it, you know, feel free to ask. I have something that I struggle with when I'm drawing What's people. <laughs> what do you do with the hands? Like when they're just stood there doing nothing. <laughs> I will be I will be I will be getting to that. We can go straight to hands. So Awesome. If you because like when I was trying to draw someone who was just like just standing there and I was like, what do people do with their hands when they're just standing? You know, <laughs> just I suddenly realized that I've never even thought about it. So <laughs> So here I'll I'll just draw sta standard D potato body. Just kind of standing there, very 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 rigid. I I I try not to do the overly rigid body when I'm drawing. Um, it's kind of like the difference if you go back and you look at old Looney Tunes cartoons. If you look at say anything that like, actually let me do that first. So here's. You know, if you look at like a um, a Frizz Freeling Bugs Bunny cartoon, you've got your basic Bugs Bunny. And Frizz did a lot of classic cartoons. He did a lot of great classic Bugs Bunny cartoons, no doubt. Some of my favorites. I mean, they've won Oscars, Nighty Night Bugs and stuff like that. But, especially later in his career in like the 50s and then in the 60s, this is how his bugs would tend to stand. Just. All right, um, J-Man, uh, Lori is, um, I, I told you, I told you to rest, Lori, but she's watching, so I guess watching is okay. <laughs> That's fine, as long as you're not doing anything. But, um, yeah, uh, Lori actually says, um, Everyone getting the soft cover will get the option to pick the cover, or you can get both. And you should be, your your survey might actually be in your email right now, because she just sent it. Awesome. So that's the answer. And also, um, is it Michael Acevedo? Acevedo? I'm sorry if I mess up your names. Um, Acevedo? Seems like a soft soft C sound. But anyway, watching from Florida, D, D just wanted to say hi. Can you show a way to show expressions between two characters and how you keep it in perspective? I can. Excellent. I think we've got enough time to do the hands thing and the two character perspective thing. Yep. I'm doing this with Bugs Bunny right now because it's kind of like the difference between like say your average Chuck Jones Bugs Bunny and your Frizz Freeling is a beginning point to dealing with hands. And it's a lot about extremes and putting... You know, so you, you oh, there are a lot of cartoons from the 50s where you had this kind of ramrod straight Bugs Bunny and then you had the ones that, like, Chuck Jones did where he's always putting his weight on one leg more than the other leg, you know, leaning into it. And sometimes you'll see this gets extreme. It'll get pushed out to, like, 
mm. you know, but that's kind of what the carrot was for was the give him something to do with the other hand. And, and then began a whole, well, multiple generations of kids not understanding that rabbits don't really like carrots and they're not that great yeah. for them. <laughs> you know, but sometimes Probably it comes down teeth, to, th though. <laughs> it comes down to, again, what is your character doing? So let's say my character is, you know, if they're, confused and they're sh and they're a little shrugging so it's like you know okay let's if they shrug i always try to keep my character's hands in the camera from panel to panel so it's like you know this is the you know this is the answer to you know what do you want what do you want to do for dinner i don't know You know, but then the reply, you know, you can have. Doing this manga style. Flop the art. We have Heidi over here. Flopping the art I, is a good, is a, that's an underused tip, I think. Yep. So, you know, she's going to be asking, well, what do you want to do for dinner? So I may, maybe I'll have her hand out here and kind of a half gestured point. And okay, so if your arm is up, what do you do with your other arm? Your arm can be at its side. In this case, let's say, supporting your elbow. So it's just a matter with the hands of, sometimes what I'll do is I will literally put my camera, camera there and I'll start filming myself talking and I don't talk with my hands this much on average, but I can. I am from New York. I can call upon this power <laughs> as I as I need to. And then I can replay this and be like, oh, well, I'm doing things like this. Um, I've been doing this in the strip a lot lately. Um, I literally got that watching Encanto. There's a scene in the in the on the beginning where she's trying to distract the kids during the song and she goes, let's go with both hands. And so I've been drawing that a lot in the strip. So I studied a lot of animation um, before I started my first webcomic. I was studying animation. I really wanted to be an animator. Um, and in studying animation, you learn a lot about body acting, um, body language acting, getting those hands to do things on the scene. Um, and a lot of that comes with the bodies in general. You know, you can have You know, if your character is... Now, it always helps to have your character do something as well. So, you know, if you have just two characters talking in a scene, you can have them just talking, heads facing each other, or you can have them doing literally anything else. I can draw, you know, me and Heidi are talking, and she's washing dishes and I'm drying them. Uh, I'm taking out garbage. Then you don't need to know what you're going to do with your hands because you're going to be doing the thing that you need to do. But if you don't have that, you know, you, you know, keep, keep them up in the shot. I struggle with it when there's like, it's just a standing pose and there's nothing really happening. I think it's difficult to know where to put the hands. Yep. I it's like the, for the, the idea of... Yeah filming yourself just having a conversation is um 
seems like a, it's a, like we should have more emphasis on that on that suggestion or that uh, tip because that is that's a really good idea because like we all do stuff with our hands when we're talking. Yeah. Even if you stuffed them in your pockets, like I know I stuff my hands in my pockets when I'm talking sometimes, but it's yep. still a thing that I do, and I, uh, you know, like that's a thing that you can do yep. with your character. Yeah, now let's do it with um, let's do it with Ramrod Ramrod Bugs here. You know, we'll, we'll have him put the hands in the pocket. So yeah, yeah, he has pockets when he needs them. We know this from the cartoons. He does. <laughs> but you'll notice now when you put he puts the hands in the pockets. It depends on what's his mood. If he is going to be casual about it, the shoulders will droop and you'll have a little bit of bend at the elbows. But let's say he's doing it more of a, you know, he's got a little bit more attitude. So you bring those shoulders up, you know, that you bring those shoulders up and you curve those lines out a little bit towards the hands. Um, Let's say he's anticipating something. I call this, the, this is like the Art Adams scoop hand. Where your hands are just kind of hovering. It's almost like the character doesn't know what they're going to do with them. And, you know, you'll see this in the strip a lot. The scoop hands when it's clear that the character doesn't quite know what to do with their hands either. You know. You can literally have their awkward expressions. Um, has everyone seen Disney's Beauty and the Beast, the animated one? Yeah, I should hope so. What? If you're Mama. watching that, you'll you'll notice Dell does this a lot. Like ah. it's specifically specifically in the song where she's like, you know, the I, there's something. Um, there must be something there that I haven't seen before. She's like, there's something sweet and almost. And she's looking at Beast, and this is something the animator's sister used to do. I can't, I think it was James Baxter. Huh. Um, the playing, um, play with your hair, fiddle with that, you know? One thing that I do a lot, and I put it into art, and shows up a lot in Giant Girl, of your characters having an awkward moment. You know, you do the... One hand on the hip, and the other one kind of behind the neck, like... That's way too big. It's like a Popeye arm. But, you know, the... Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, so there's a lot of stuff that you can do with the hands. Um, sometimes I will do the biggest cheat of all is the... Um, and again, a very Bugs Bunny move. The, the sarcastic behind the back with the giant hands folded over. Um, it's just a matter of, again, what's your character doing... And then you act it out and try to come up with something, you know. You know, are you, if you're shocked and surprised, it can be like. And you bring those hand, those shoulders all the way up. It's a lot like that relaxed hand posture from before. But, you know, you, you bring, and you always try to bring in angles. Like, again, tighten. If it's an extreme expression, bring the hands up like that. You know, bring the elbows, shoulders in. Lots of extremes, lots of hard angles. Um, it doesn't have the same intensity if the hands are out here. And the shoulders aren't quite as high. This is more trepidatious as opposed to where there was a little bit more of a, ah, in that last mm -hmm. shot. Mm-hmm. 
Man, appropriate use of the, uh, the the sharpness of the angle really does change the whole feel of the pe of the of the, the oh picture, yeah the um it, yeah it's it one of the reasons it's one of the reasons I think the superhero landing is so popular because if you look at the superhero landing that three point landing mm -hmm. you know you've got your you got your back here there's an arm almost ramrod to the ground you've got one knee down. And one leg is all the way up. And frequently, the other arm is like back here. Hmm. So look at how... Okay, look at how many hard angles that you have to work with here. It's all... There's a lot of dynamic angles going on here. But it all still follows this motion line. Mm-hmm. And it makes it gives and, it a... the the, the if you would, if you were be floppier, it wouldn't project the strength that it does with the sharpness of the yeah. sharp angles. So yeah, yep. that makes sense. And you know, and even if you're doing it from like a frontal view, you got to be careful because you don't want the leg right here and then the other. This doesn't convey any power. You almost never see a superhero landing from a front-on view because you lose all that power. And that's where gesture comes in. And a lot of the times with with car with cartoony art. You want to get that gesture and draw that, draw your motion in as little action as possible. So you can have like, you know, you know, your sneak, you know, uh, your shock. You know, you're angry. It's all that one line gesture that kind of goes through everything. And you know you play those up, and you can get a lot of expressions. Now, the question we had from before was on two people talking to each other in perspective. Yep, how to how uh, show a way to show expressions between two characters and keep it in perspective. Okay, well, I mean the easiest way to do like what I do a lot with the strip is actually a cheat. If you think about it, uh, is that still up there? It is. Yaha! You'll notice, technically speaking. Heidi and I in this are actually facing slightly different. If you were to look at us from above, boobs, and gotta have the boobs, and <laughs> we're actually facing like this. We're not really facing each other. If you look. Mm -hmm. where our eyes are tilted to each other, our heads are tilted to each other, but our bodies aren't. And that's a bit of an art sheet. Um, because you can do just straight on profile conversations. And then, you know, profile conversations are easy and in that you don't have to worry as much about perspective. Let's say you got two people, you know, at a diner in a, in a restaurant. And they're talking. You know, you know what, again, you think about what they're talking about here. So I've got, you know, I'm making decisions here on the body language for me and Heidi. I am a little plaintiff. I am putting myself out there. Heidi, I have her a little bit more reserved. So her arms are crossed. Um, she's irritated with me for some reason. I don't know why I'm making this up as I go, but. Here, it's just a matter of paying attention to things like, I'm taller than Heidi. 
um, you know, what are the hands doing? Well, if this hand is gesturing, this one is just literally going to dangle off the, the table because our hands are often just dangling, you know, and you need to be able to draw that, that kind of, our hands tend to curl, just the muscles in general, we're so used to, our hands almost never are not, they're not going like this when they're hanging down, they, they curl. So, you know, getting that curl in there often helps to make the hands look less posed and a little bit more relaxed. But let's say you're doing, um, if you're trying to do something that's a bit more perspective to one head to the other, you can, you know, there's a lot of different shots. There, there's your over the shoulder shot where you're, now the other person's only acting is that they have an ear. And again, it's not realistic. It's kind of William Shatnery acting, but you're bringing those, bringing those hands into the panel helps to sell the emotion of whatever Cartoon D here is complaining about. What? I didn't do it. You know, and here it's a matter of, you know, just using your basic one point perspective. I'm still taller than Heidi, but she's a lot bigger than me in the frame. You know, you got to make sure your eye lines going in the right place. Because that's a problem I have a lot, actually. And blessed be to working digitally that I can just move my eyes if I've inked them and they don't like fall in the right place. I was like, select, grab, move. Um, if you're doing a standard three quarters, again, all the same rules apply. It's, um, I still have it. Do I? Yeah, I still have it here. Good. All the same basic rules apply. Make sure your eyes are lining in the... Actually, if you look here, I'm actually kind of looking at her hair. So I would probably fix that in the inking. Bring my eyes down a little. Make sure when you have two people talking to each other, make sure your eyes are facing each other. Um, you can kind of cheat with three-quarter views a little bit. Keep, you know, one shoulder's closer, one shoulder... Keep the hands in the shot. And you know, keep track of your perspective. Frequently with perspective, one trick that I do um, when I'm doing strips is I will draw, let's say if, if I know I'm gonna be doing, say me and Heidi talking and it's just talking heads, you know, I will draw, I'll start drawing that first panel. And again, these are going to be super rough, but you want to make sure that this is the same from panel to panel. Well, I'll do this. Like, let's say here are my panel borders. Really janky. This is not how I do it, but then you copy it, kind of paste that, paste that. And I'll tend to do like in my roughs, I'll take, I'll hit them with an eraser at like high opacity. And now that I've got the underdrawing for each successive panel, now I can have my hands doing different things because I know where my shoulder is. I can have my head in a different expression or different pose 
but following that underdrawing. When I do the underdrawing, I tend to do it on a separate layer in like mid gray or something. And just... Oh, yeah. Yeah, just draw totally. over it with black. Well, yeah, having that underdrawing, though, really helps you if you want to keep the consistency from panel to panel. It's like, okay, I'll, I'll slump here and I can move the head down, but I still know where all the features are. Now I'm put upon. Really? Heidi <laughs> will be rolling her eyes. You know, and again, see, you can see here how the body language plays into it. It's, I'm going to bring my head forward, my shoulder up. I'm going to bring her head back and her arms all the way down. Because she's just, she's exacerbated. And it's all the same rules that I've been talking about before, where it's, you know, here, it's more, there, these are more, you know, contained expressions, more defensive postures. Here, it's all working from that same underdrawing. So basically, it does play like you're animating your figures, you're animating your faces and expressions and your body language. And that applies to, you know, whether or not you're doing, you know, cartoony stuff or whether or not you're doing straight up comic book stuff because you know yeah you can have your character standing in you know standard you know standard bruce tim superhero poses Uh, are they even really superheroes if they don't have the curly Q? <laughs> you know, you can do that, and that's perfectly fine. It's a, you know, it's a very popular standard stock pose. But if you're putting them in a scene, you know, Superman, you know, you can have him hovering or floating, stuff like that. I think because I, when I first started trying to draw people, I just, I didn't really know how to get um, life model photos and stuff. So I tended to use like photos of models to start learning to draw with. And that's why I think that I have a problem with them not having resting bitch face whenever I draw people. Because <laughs> that's just all models seem to do is just the pout, you know. Yep. They're, they're, they're flashing blue steel at you. <laughs> you know, you can do different things, you know, have one leg coming forward, have that hand in that kind of natural droop, the other one's maybe having an expression. It's all the same rules, it's all the same, it's not as extreme, but there's still, you know, there's still some hard angles in there, you know, but you still have your through line, you still have your motion line. All of that stuff still works, even if you're doing, you know, superhero poses, you know, 
you know, any kind of an emotional reaction. Um, I'm hoping I answered the question about keeping the heads in perspective. Um, kind of in a rambles up, so I'm not sure. <laughs> um, J-Man has more of a general question. Um, wonders okay. what character has been the hardest for you to sketch? Uh, really, anytime a new character is brought in, there's always a learning curve. Um, Makes sense. If I'm, like, at a convention, um, and I don't know who the character is, that character's always going to be harder, because I need to know their personality to make something really fun. Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, you don't draw Deadpool the same way you would draw Deathstroke. They're such dramatically different personalities. You don't draw Spider-Man the same way you would draw Daredevil. You don't draw Superman the same way you would draw Captain America even. Even though they're both, you know, broad Paragon heroes, they carry themselves very differently. Um, so for me, the hardest characters to sketch depends on um, detail, like how much, how complicated is this character's costume? And whether or not I know who they are. So if you're going into like an obscure anime, I may not know anything about. I can look it up and I can do my best at it and I'll do a darn good drawing. But it'll be harder than if you ask me to draw Spider-Man or, you know, She-Hulk or anything like that. And obviously then if you want to get into complicated, hard characters to sketch, then, you know, things like Transformers. Oh, that's all straight lines and boxes. You know. But the same rules apply, you know, you draw them, I draw them, I'll start drawing them just like they're a flesh and blood person, and then I put the boxy thing over them like a suit. Right. So yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't say any one specific character, but I can say character types. And, and the, the, having a, the new character coming into your strip, that, that one definitely makes sense, because... Yeah, you gotta figure them out. Person, yeah. Yep. Like when I drew the caricatures of, you know, you and Katie and Lori for the Kickstarter, that's not what you would look, you would all, you all would look dramatically different if you're in the strip for a while. Um, mm -hmm. You know, um, when I first started drawing my friend Sabrina in the strip, she looked way different than she looks whenever she appears now because I've gotten a little bit more comfortable reducing her down. I don't look, me and Heidi don't look anything like we did in those earliest strips. No, you um, started to change quite a lot since the start because I mean, you know, yeah, through the difference when I was coloring it, and yeah, those they were still very good, but they're they've definitely um, sort of evolved and matured a bit in the way that they've you draw evolved, them. They've matured and they've streamlined considerably. Um, whether or not we have lips usually depends on how large we are in the panel. <laughs> um, <laughs> the lips go away if it's just a talking head panel more often than not. Um, and if it's not going to be in color on a cover, I usually don't care. The lips just, they just vanish. Um, yeah, the earlier strips, you know, the hair is more detailed. The hair is now just like three or four shapes. Um, with cartooning, it does benefit your work, not just in how long it takes you to do it, but in that kind of immediate recognition if you simplify down certain details. Um... You know, I can sit there and still draw. You know, I can like I can see here, shape, shape, shape. But in the earlier parts of the strips, you know, I would draw 
all these little curls. And yeah, it's a lot of line mileage trying to get all these little details in here. So when you're repeating panel F, it may look more accurate or more like actual hair, but all of this line mileage, you can see how much longer it's taking me even as a doodle. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, for a humor comic, it really is a matter of only what's necessary. You know, that's the Charles Schultz kind of um, mantra. You know, again, he was drawing, you know, the simplest character designs on the planet, but they're also tremendously difficult to actually get right. I'm laughing at the irony of you talking about doing the hair as I'm trying to do, like, Heidi's hair strand by strand. Oh, yeah. Well, you're doing a more realistic thing. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. I would love... Okay. Okay. Everybody in the comments, tell me, tell me, tell me if you agree. I would love to see... We need to get Katie on here with her screen up on there and challenge her to draw in D's style for the strip with the very simple, no detail unless it's necessary because Miss I Drew Every Scale individually by hand will go <laughs> insane and I think that that would be entertaining for everybody else. I'm not yeah, torturing I, I her, but I am, but like it's a challenge because it's a thing you could stand to do a little more often, I think, is maybe simplify your art. <laughs> but line art yeah. is hard for me. It's just, believe it or not, all of the scales is, like, easier. That's fair. <laughs> and, yeah, but, like, here's here's a basic Charlie Brown. Mm -hmm. You know, just dr drawing it as quick as I could come off the top of my head. I've drawn the characters enough just for fun that I kind of can... But, like, here's that standard good grief sardonic thing. But look at the same line. Look at how everything... That's the brilliance of what Schultz did so subtly, those are two completely different drawings. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that changed is I'm flipping them out. And it's an almost straight line. Just the tiniest little dips in the corner. But that's the advantage of working more simple is that you can really get a lot of mileage with the tiniest difference in your line Whereas with Finding D, you know, if I wanted to make that smile, I tend not, I tend to go broad. So it would be like the full on Charlie Brown smile, you know, but then with, you know, I'm putting in way more angles, way more stuff like that. I'm not saying that's better, but it's easier. The more you put into it, the more, and what Katie was saying was true. I mean, I know, especially when, you know, I've gotten better with my anatomy, I've gotten better with my structure, but a lot of my earlier work is really, really noodly. I put a lot of fine details in, and a lot of that really is kind of hiding the underdrawings. Um, a lot of artists do that. I am super guilty of that, of putting in a lot of rendering to kind of hide it when my underdrawing wasn't as great as it could have been. Um, Whereas that's not Katie's problem. I know that because I see your underdraw. I see your underdrawings. <laughs> and they're fantastic. Thank you. 
but yeah, with, with cartooning, it really is a, a, a thing of trying to reduce, you know, everything down to the barest minimum shapes to, you know... You know. Body language that conveys a basic emotion. It is surprisingly hard to learn to do if you've been if you've learned in like realism style. Because yep. it's the actual simplification, it just melts your brain. But, you know, practicing little gestures, little dude, a lot of strips that are heavy action start out with drawings no more elaborate than this. You know, so like, give me, give me, um, give me another emotion. Ooh, um, ecstatic. Ecstatic. Okay. There's a lot of ways to play ecstatic. Um, you can go, you know. Super over the top and wide, like celebratory. The the hip hip hooray. But one thing that I've been doing in a lot of tighter shots is my personal favorite version of ecstatic. The the morning grommet cheese. <laughs> How about shy? Shy. Shy is, you know, it's very typified by reserved, um, pulled back a little bit, you know, so I have, I'll have my head back a little bit. I'll maybe bring the, bring an arm around to hold the one arm. Lots of tighter gestures, lots of, you know, that hand on the back of the neck. Hand, maybe hand in the pocket. You know, with the face, the eyes will generally be focused on anywhere but where the character's talking. You know, it's defense, it's more... Shy is more defensive. You're bringing everything in a little tighter. The more excited you get, the more outward everything comes out. Um, and if that's what you want, when you want your gesture to read, things like this. Re this, you need the facial expression to know what this is. You need... You know, you need that absolutely giddy expression to read this. This, mm -hmm. you don't really need that as much. This tells you that this face is going to be doing... Just straight out the gate. You know, um, you can definitely do it. I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know... There was an old Chuck Jones cartoon, The Dot and the Line, and they literally only just have a dot and a line, and they're performing. Um, think of the magic carpet in Aladdin that has no face, no actual hands, no body parts whatsoever. It's a rectangle. And how much emotion does that thing convey? 
You know, um, in Disney's Robin Hood, uh, you had Milt Call animating a snake crossing its arms. <laughs> oh, iconic. Yeah, it's just so... You can do a lot of body language with very, very little. And so getting those different expressions, it's... And for cartooning, it's pairing them. You want to pair your, your expressions with your body language, and that is what gets you to acting. You want your characters acting. You don't want your characters just sitting there. You know, no one wants to. No one wants to read the strip. The you know, I'm I'm not going to do a Finding D strip where th this is this is the conversation. So I guess a good thing to practice with would be to actually do like um, stills from like dramas and film and movies and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I actually did is I put on old Disney cartoons that I really, really liked. And I did gesture drawings. I, I freeze frame. I do them while I'm watching. And then I kind of freeze frame and do little gesture drawings. I did um, uh, The Little Whirlwind, which is a brilliantly animated Mickey Mouse cartoon. Lots of amazing body language. Watch it through a couple of times and then start drawing the poses that you see. Do it like life drawing, where they're not going to stop for you. You just got to kind of get the gestures, and so you know you'll you'll be watching it, and you know you, you're you're not going to do anything more elaborate than this, you know. And then you go back in and you do it again, and you look at how it's all these smooth curves and these great. So yeah, do that with um, with great animation is always a great example, great place to see that where you can really see the the character animation. Um, any classic Disney cartoons will do, really. Um, um, you know, any of the Chuck Jones, Looney Tunes era stuff is fantastic to study with. You know, with live actors, you're going to want to look at actors that really have a lot of expressive body language, um, which I'm less versed on. I could tell you less about that. But any actor that can convey that scene with little, you know, body language stuff. The Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey is your human cartoon. Um, As I've been watching uh, oh. The Boys recently, I think the guy who plays Homelander is very good at subtle emotions. Oh, God, yes. Look at uh, Anthony Starr, who plays um, Homelander. Um, Jack Quaid, who's um, Huey. They're both dramatically different body languages. But, like, if you look at Homelander's it's very defensive. Every, every All of his postures and body language is both posturing and defensive at the same time. He's trying yeah. to convey strength. He's trying to convey power. But he's trying to convey strength. He's the most powerful character in the show, but he's the most insecure. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> he's always trying to project... Where, look at the difference in body language between Billy and Homelander. Billy walks with more confidence than Homelander does. And he has no power whatsoever. Um, both of them are putting up fronts, without a doubt. With Huey, he has no... He has no filter between how he's feeling and what he conveys, so his body language is very expressive, tells you all about his emotions. Like, Jack Quaid does a great, great job at conveying 
Huey's lacks lack of confidence. His you know he's a very expressive body to to pay attention to how he moves. Hmm. Most of the characters in the seven have defensive body language. Um, most of the quote unquote superheroes have defensive body language of one kind or another. And it all makes sense for their characters because they're all putting on an act. They're all putting on a show, not just amongst themselves, but for the world in general. And they're being trained how to do that. Yeah. So yeah, the boys is a fantastic example. Um, mm -hmm. You know, um, fortunate. No, I started. Um, um, ah, shit. What is her name? Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon is good with uh, facial expressions. Um, Kate McKinnon is fantastic with facial expressions. She can do remarkable deadpan when she needs to. Mm -hmm. Um, her expressions do remind me very much of uh, mid '50s era Bugs Bunny cartoons, Chuck Jones. Um, think of like any of the rabbit season, duck season, rabbit season, uh, what's opera doc, any of those classic Chuck Jones where it's the slightest expression. It's just that, that little eyebrow going up, that little quirk in the corner of the mouth. She does so much little minute face acting that when the broad stuff happens, it hits you like a freight train. Whereas some characters cartoon, like, um, who framed Roger Rabbit? One of my all time favorite movies. But Roger is always turned up to 14. Yes. He only has one calm, he has one calm moment in the entirety of the movie. The rest of it is just screaming. But you remember the calm moment where he's sitting there crying at the picture of Jessica in his wallet. Because it's the only moment he's not. Right. But the problem with that is it's kind of like any, it's kind of like, you know, your Michael Bay movies. How do you raise the stakes when everything is an explosion? Mm. How do you make the explosion seem like it's important when there's an explosion for everything that happens? How do you make the sunset dramatic when there are 14 sunsets throughout the course of the film? Because magic hour, you know, sunsets mm. are pretty. I I think somebody did the math on the first Transformers movie and determined that that movie had to have taken place over the course of a month and a half based on <laughs> how many sunrises and sunsets were seen on camera. Really? I did not even... Wow. It's, it's perpetually magic hour in that movie. There are so many sunsets and sunrises in that film that it almost implies that between every single shot the characters just stop, lay down, take a nap, and wait till the next day. Like mid-fight. <laughs> like, mid like, punch. Okay, now let's take a nap for 24 hours. We have to wait for magic hour. <laughs> yeah, you know, but again, wow. those shots lose their impact because it's all you're seeing. And I think with body language, that's the same thing. You know, I'm showing a lot of extreme stuff in the sketches. And right now I've got the bo most boring possible thing up on the screen. Let me put something up semi-useful. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, put the faces back up. You know, here, you know, as actually is a good example of while I'm talking, not all of these are extreme. You know, happy is not extreme. Sad is not extreme. Pleased, a little bit more. Angry, eh. You know, it's shocked and surprised where I've got my elbows in the frame. 
Um, you know, you don't want everything to be screaming because if every, if, if, if you draw, here you go. If I draw angry the same way, if I draw that the same way I draw rage, how do you go to rage? You know, the only way I can go from there is like literally into full on Tex Avery. You know, where I just straight on become. You know, you can only go so far before you break the rule of your own reality. That makes sense. You know? And it really and it's good to set even those though it's rules. a cartoon, it looks ridiculous. Like if it's yeah, a cartoon well, and how do you still how do you make a cartoon look ridiculous by 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 breaking that rule, yeah. Yeah, I, I am I am a proponent, and there's going to be a lot of people that will disagree with me on this one. I know I've been yelled at about this before, but like I said, I'm not saying I'm an authority. I'm saying this is my my opinions as an artist. Um, and I, it's a very popular thing in anime when characters go chibi. Yeah. Um, like uh, the the '90s Teen Titans cartoon. I couldn't get into that because I couldn't take it seriously when your character literally turns into. You know, when your character's drawn semi-realistic most of the time, but when they yell, it's... You know, they turn into Invader Zim when they're screaming. And <laughs> to me, that breaks the... I can't take it seriously now. I can't believe your character is going to be hurt in a fight scene if they can turn into... If they can turn into... A Looney Tune for a wild expression. Mm -hmm. Um, no, and I, I remember Berkeley, Berkeley Breathe and Bloom County did this a couple of times in the strip where he would have Opus do a wild take, like a complete Tex Avery wild take. And it, it's in the it's in the animated Bloom County, uh, the Wish for Wings that work, the Christmas special, where he opens the door and there's a bunch of birds waiting outside of his house and he's shocked. And his eyes do the cartoon, woo, you know, they bulge right out of his head. And his immediate reaction is, ah, ooh, because he <laughs> broke the rule. They broke the rules of their own cartoon. It hurt. That's kind of amazing. Um, I, 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 that, that's, a, that's funny. That's funny. You know, they, he broke, they broke their own, and it's on, it's on YouTube, um, awesome. broke their own anatomical rules of, you know, like, if Charlie Brown's eyes bugged out of his head, that wouldn't look right, would it? <clears throat> no. Yeah, you know? no, I see what you mean. Yeah. You know, him getting his clothes knocked off by a baseball, that happens all the time. But, you know, Charlie Brown doesn't do this. I'm not drawing Charlie Brown anymore. I'm drawing some kind of weird mute. You know, <laughs> that that breaks the rules of Charlie Brown. The lost Rugrat, maybe? <laughs> you know, Ca Caillou gone wild. I don't know. But... <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, it's all about, you know, 
when you're doing your own stuff, set your own rules. If you're doing a cartoon or comic strip, set the rules for your characters. Never be afraid to set your own rules so you know what the boundaries are. Um, where, how far, I know exactly how far I can push a wild take in Finding D before it's too far. Because it's all has to have a certain degree of grounding in reality or the strip loses its cohesiveness. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So are there any other questions? Otherwise, I'm going to probably keep rambling and not make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> well, we, yeah, we don't have any more um, questions from in the comments. But uh, if you're watching later and you have a question about that, then still drop it in the comments for no, yeah. not live anymore. And then I will will let Dee know. And then, you know, I, I don't and I guess you can handle that as you will. You can post something on your page or, or we'll have another drawing with Dee on a Monday night. Yep. And yep. Uh, that that works for me. And we've already gone long today, too. So. I, I guess even if we did have questions, we'd probably have to save it for another stream. That sounds like a plan to me. But I, I I already learned a bunch, you know. Um, awesome. Pay attention to your angles and the direction, and don't be afraid to study the hell out of cartoons to find the to, to get more inspiration and more ideas and and to become more familiar with it. Like those are all really good, really good tips, yep. and yep. and they make sense when you show them to us like that. It makes sense. Yep. So. Yeah, look up, look up like the animation masters, Richard Williams, um, Preston Blair, a di classic Disney animator who did a lot of great books on how to do animation. I learned a lot from Preston Blair books. Um, you know, Chuck Jones's autobiography, Chuck Amuck, actually has a lot of great advice in it, even though it's not a how to draw book. Um, it's a how to think about drawing book. Don Bluth have any books that he did or are we just watching I think the movies he there? I think he does. I also know he does master class type things and lessons. Um, but yeah, watch watch John Bluth movies. They are amazing, especially the earlier stuff before he went full rotoscope. Um, like the cartoonier stuff, uh, Secret of Nim, Land Before Time. Um, uh, you know, if you're watching Anastasia, paying attention to Bartok and um, Rasputin is better than Anastasia herself because that's when you start getting into the rotoscope and that's where you just have a human actor and they're tracing it. It's not, mm -hmm. you're not going to learn as much. Um, and you can see that in a stunt film. Um, Beauty and the Beast has a few scenes where you can see that they clearly weren't just using reference. They were using rotoscope footage for Belle. Mm -hmm. Um... And there's a couple of scenes where, um, where Belle, you're just looking, and it, it stands out because you, cartoons, we, we do a lot of tiny little things that when you put a, put them on a cartoon character, it makes them look awkward. And then it starts getting into that Ralph Batchke, Lord of the Rings kind of era territory where it gets a little bit more like Uncanny Valley to a degree. Sure. Yeah. Makes sense. I think that was Sherry Stoner, actually. I know she was Air. I know she was Ariel. So, uh, <laughs> as a uh, an animation writer named Sherry Stoner was the body model. I think for both Belle and Ariel. I know for Ariel. I think for Belle as well. Um, and she did all the, the. She dressed up in the outfits and did all the acting on camera. She's a writer, but she's also a voice actor who was Slappy Squirrel on Animaniacs. So just a bit oh, wow, of trivia. Cool. 
So Slappy yeah. Slappy Squirrel was the body body actor for Ariel. <laughs> That's fabulous. Ah, uh, well, yeah, we'll have to. So anything that anybody might put in the comments uh, after we go off the air here. Um, I will definitely pass on and we will just have to do another drawing with D. And yep. and that sounds like a plan to me because this was a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. I, ho <clears throat> I hope everyone enjoyed it. I hope some people learned a couple things. So, yeah. I was a bit distracted because I was trying to finish um, Hai's hair and I have finished it. So, <laughs> yay. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's I, check Facebook. It's on there. But yeah, you can put oh, it up. Yay. Yeah, y'all are gonna shit when you see it. Uh, it's really, really good. And it's really, it's adorable. Ugh, it's adorable. So, well, okay, so next week, okay. First of all, if you haven't backed Cthulhu is Hard to Spell, go, go check it out. Go do that. Um, lots of fun prizes. Uh, working on stretch goals now. So we got a lot of cool stretch goals uh, waiting in the wings here. And um, then, okay, next week... We have free comic book day. Which comic book will we be giving away? I don't know. Will it be physical or digital? Don't know that either. We pretty much do, we pick that like right before the show, really. So we'll see. Sometimes we give away a physical a physical book to a, a viewer and sometimes we give a digital copy to everybody. So it's fun. And yeah, actually, holy shit, that might be it. We're, we're working on getting Katie in a, a art stream here, too. Like a, it'll be more like a morning or early afternoon thing, though. So we got to work the details out on that. But we'll be doing that soon, too. Because I'm going to make her do it. <laughs> Look at her smiling there. She's just smiling. Thank you for coming and watching, Jesse. That was... Uh, Thank was, you, Jesse. Very fun. Thanks. And, and we appreciate seeing you here. And yes, and so... Uh, Thank you, Dee, for coming and teaching us some stuff. And thank you, Katie, for coming and being uh, extra commentary. It's always nice to have another artist's perspective on these different things. And we got to hear that Katie, a uh, BBC Wildlife Award category winner person, like super awesome, realistic painter, has trouble with hands, with what to do with hands. <laughs> so, like, it's nice to know that people that are amazing at art still have trouble with this stuff sometimes <laughs> oh yeah there's i, I, I makes I, it feel like it's more attainable <laughs> there there are some major major huge big name artists who dust me in every category that's out there who still have a hard time drawing good hands i'm not gonna Wait. name any names i'm not i'm not even talking about him i'm talking about <laughs> artists that that's well, that's that's low-hanging fruit, but um, yeah, there yeah. there are definitely some artists out there that uh, I'll tell you when the show is over that really are not good at hands. Well, there's that well, saying, isn't there? Like, you know someone like the back of your own hands, but honestly, who actually sits there and looks at their own hands? There was a, a thing that going around where it's like, you know, drawing your hands and it was like a, a bunch of worms nailed to a bit of block of wood or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, awesome. that, that's good. So, oh, that's yeah. been a problem. When I was doing um, the well, when I was doing my graphic novel, The Wellkeeper, using your own hands as reference is a gr all well, good, and fine. But these are my sausage hands, and I'm trying to draw a petite-handed sixteen-year-old girl. And so every now and again, it's she's just like, 
you know, this dainty 16-year-old girl with, like, Johnny Bench mitts. Well, I said the other day that I actually struggle drawing hands, and I got a surprise through the post, which, you know, I, I, one of my friends decided to surprise me with a wooden mannequin. Oh, oh nice. well, there you go. You can change... The only thing I'd, I'd say is that the actual the range of movement of the thumb isn't yeah, the quite you know, there, but, but the yeah. actual they've got, they've, they've got some new ones now that have full hand range of motion where like you can curl them in the center and it's a there are hundreds of dollars but yeah they're amazing. So well, these cool, are pretty yeah. good. It's just the thumb kind of only moves in one direction, which is a shame. But, I bet you can yeah. get like if you get the rest of the fingers and like you can get the thumb there. Like although the thumb is really, I have so much trouble with thumbs. Like I can, I'm actually not that bad at drawing just a hand in whatever position, but like get to, get to the thumb and I'm like, I don't know, whatever. Now this like, is actually Ugh. this is funny because I'm watching you now. You are a hand talker, Sarah. I, yes, I, I have no other people have told me. I actually, I, I actually I just, just over the that. I just drew that on a page. <laughs> what what yes. you're doing. I, I just did a page where that, the character's <laughs> doing that. I, I was I uh, looking back at some, a couple of streams the other, when I was looking for something specific and I was like, oh, I sit like this uh, on the camera a lot, actually. <laughs> And then I'll and I swing my hands around a lot when I'm talking. And I actually over the weekend accidentally slapped somebody because they were too close <laughs> when I was hand talking. And I was like, "Oh shit, I'm sorry." And then I stuck my hands in my pockets, which I realized is why I stick my hands in my pockets when I talk sometimes. Because sometimes I'm dangerous if I get too crazy. <laughs> so I, I don't, yes, I don't think I'm a hand talker. But the fun funniest thing is my dad is if he's on the phone and he'll be like, "Oh, it was this big," and he'll be showing it in in hand gestures and like you're on the phone they can't see your hand <laughs> nice uh, okay we gotta get going we're like way over time now so thank you everybody for joining us and thank you katie and d and thank you. um if you guys enjoyed this uh put uh, let us know in the comments um because we definitely want to do have dion more to do more drawings that's really fun and katie too and um yeah come watch the show next week too please yep. and thank you so, uh, yeah, have a wonderful rest of your night. Bye. Bye. Bye.